Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Cool and Gather podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us for our Advent series. Advent is not merely a time where we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ, but rather a moment where we eagerly anticipate the return of our King. This series aims to use the Old Testament prophecies to remind us of the good news of not only Jesus' birth, but His reign and the moment He'll come again. To find out more about our Christmas services, head to church.nu forward slash Christmas. But for now, enjoy the message. So good. How was everyone this morning? Everyone doing all right? If I've not met you, my name is Scott. I'm the one of the pastors here at New Life Call and Gather. It's such a blessing to be here with you today. I'd love to really encourage you to uh, sign up for our Christmas event, for our Christmas Eve service. If you could sign up as soon as possible, as soon as you know that you're going to come, if you can scan the QR code or see one of our staff downstairs at the information table so we can sign you up because we're going to be catering. There's going to be food and stuff afterwards to celebrate. So the more that we know that you're coming, the more we can actually cater for that. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. But we're actually in a four-week series, an Advent series leading into Christmas. And we're going to be looking at four different themes of Advent, Advent, which is love, peace, joy, and hope. You know what? I want all of these in my life, do you? And today we're actually going to be exploring peace. But the first question I want to answer is, what is Advent? Well, at Christmas time, we celebrate the coming of the Messiah, the coming of God in the flesh, the birth of Jesus. And the word Advent itself actually means arrival or appearing or a coming into place. So Christians talk about the first Advent of Christ and the second Advent of Christ when he comes back to earth. So the first is the incarnation of Christ. The first Advent is him coming, God himself in the flesh 2,000 years ago, being born as a baby in Bethlehem. And the second Advent is his second coming, when Jesus promises to return to renew all things to take away sin, to take away pain, to take away suffering forever and restore all things back to what it was like in the garden. So one of the most common Advent traditions involves the use of evergreen wreaths, branches and trees, and you'll see them around. So during Advent churches and homes, they are decorated with green to symbolise the life that Jesus brings. If you see a nice green tree, you know that it's got life, right, compared to a tree that's like dying and withering. And that's why we use evergreen like trees and wreaths and stuff to symbolize the life that actually Jesus brings in this season. So Advent's a remembrance of Jesus coming 2,000 years ago, and it's an anticipation of him coming again. And just as Israel, the, the nation of Israel, longed for their Messiah to come in the Old Testament, Christians long for him to come again. So Israel's longing for the Messiah to come comes from Isaiah, comes from multiple prophecies about the Messiah, but one of them is in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. This is written about 700 years before Jesus was born by Isaiah. So they were prophesying about this, this Messiah to come that would come and rule forever. And Jesus is that long-awaited Messiah, and he's called the Prince of Peace. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at peace. So before I get into the message, I'd love to pray. Would you please join me? Father God, we just thank you, God, for 
these prophecies and other prophecies in the Old Testament that, that talk about you sending your son. That Jesus, you are willing to step off your throne in heaven to come and put on human flesh. That you would come and die for our sins, God. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would help me preach this message with truth, with grace, and with love. That in the end, God, they wouldn't look to me, but only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. So many years ago, before I was a pastor, I used to work on the wharves. And I was a crane driver on the wharves. And there was this moment where I was working on the wharves that they were going to automate a lot of the cranes. Now, I used to drive the cranes that unload the big ships that you see when you're flying to the airports. And there were little cranes in the yard. And they were going to change these little cranes in the yard to robots. And so they came to the workforce and said, we're going to automate a lot of our our operations, and that means we're going to make some of you redundant, which struck a lot of fear and anxiety into a lot of the workforce. There's about 250 guys working on the wharves at that stage, and many of them would have been made redundant. They said, hey, there's voluntary redundancy. If you want to leave, come and see us. But there wasn't enough people putting their hand up because it was a good job on the wharves. You know, you got paid a lot of money. You had 16 weeks off a year. It was a good job. You just held on to that until you retired. And so there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of anxiety. People were like, I might lose my job. This is the only job I've ever known. Some guys have been there 30-odd years. And that caused a lot of infighting because guys were trying to climb over the top of each other, right, to try and hold their position in the company. And so there's all this going on. And this one day, this guy says to me, why don't you care? Why are you not freaking out? And it was interesting because I hadn't been a Christian too long, but I just had this peace about it. I just knew God. I knew that he was with me. I knew that he had me, whether I was working there or whether I had to work somewhere else. I just had this peace, and I, and I just knew where it came from. It came from God. And so I said to the guy, well, well, because I believe in God, and I believe that he's got me, no matter where I am. Whether I'm unemployed or whether I'm working here, I know he cares for me. I know he loves me. So I had this, this supernatural peace in God's faithfulness and his provision for me and my family. It wasn't in my own strength. It was in him. Have you ever felt a supernatural peace even when everything around you is in chaos? You think of a moment where you should have been freaking out, but you felt the peace of God. Well, this is what I want to talk about today. It's this supernatural peace. It's not the peace in the common understanding, like peace between two countries or two people where they're just not fighting each other. Like they don't love each other, they don't care about each other, they're not interacting. They're just at peace, which means they're not, they're not at war or at conflict. And this common definition applies to you know countries, people, companies. But what I want to talk about today is a much deeper understanding of peace. It's a biblical understanding of peace. And it's a peace that actually transforms the very center of our being. And it can be the foundation in which we stand to face all the chaos and all the fear and all the anxiety of this life and all that it has to throw at us. This peace I'm talking about is shalom. Now in the Old Testament, shalom is the Hebrew word usually translated into peace in English. And it means prosperity, harmony, within and without. Completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, fullness, rest. It's this absence of agitation or discord, a state of calm without anxiety or stress. And shalom is used as a greeting by Jewish people. And it's perhaps the most widely known word in the Hebrew language. But in the Holman Treasury of Bible Keywords, it actually gives this definition. So it's best translated as peace, and this peace is more than a mere absence of war or strife. It describes a peace that is positive in a time, a place, a condition that features love, 
righteousness, calmness, political and moral uprightness, and much more. It's a word that's reserved for those who walk with God in a positive relationship. So who wants some shalom in their life? Oh, there are four of us. Great. Awesome. This message is for you four, right? And for me. But the question is, how do we experience such a peace in a world that we live in? It's full of pain and suffering and uncertainty. Like we don't have to look too far. We only have to look in our own lives and look out in the world. It's how do we live in peace in amongst all of this? Well, let's look at a story that involves Jesus and his disciples in Mark 4. Chapter 35, uh, Mark 4, chapter 4, 35, verse 35. It says, Then that day, that day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took it along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern in the rear of the ship, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Peace, be still. And the wind died down and was completely calm. And Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I remember not long ago, or a couple of years ago now, I was asleep. And have you ever been asleep and you hear something out of your sleep and it comes into your dream and it interacts with your dream? Well, I hear this glass smash, all right? And in my dream, I'm like, oh no, someone's breaking into the house. And so when I opened my eyes, I was already standing next to my bed. So I don't know if that in the dream made me hop up, but I was next to my bed and then I was sort of running out of my room going, someone's in the house, someone's broken through a window, I was in the house. And you know how a million thoughts go through your mind in a split second? I'm running thinking, I've got nothing in my hand. If there is someone in here, what am I going to do? I'm in my pyjamas, they're probably going to laugh at me. Like I've got nothing to hit them with. And I go out and I go to all the windows and there's no smashed glass. And I'm like, the only room left is the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom, it's got a tiny window on there. I'm like, sure, they're not trying to squeeze through that one. I go in there and there's glass all over the floor. The oyster light had fallen down and smashed on the ground. I'm like, cool, I'm not going crazy. I did actually hear that smash. Anyway, my wife Georgina slept through the whole thing. <laughs> so in the morning, I'm like, man, that was crazy last night, this glass smashed. And she's like, what? She had no idea. And I'm like, how do you sleep through something like that? If I'm not here, someone could literally smash the window, walk in and walk around, and my wife, she's just sound asleep. She doesn't care. Right? It still baffles me to this day how she could sleep through it. And this is what the disciples are thinking, right? How is Jesus sleeping through this? We're literally about to die. And think about this too. It wasn't a little storm because a lot of these disciples, they were actually fishermen for their profession. So they're out in the water all the time in a boat. So if a fisherman who's in a boat all the time starts freaking out that they're going to die, it's a good chance you might. It must be pretty terrible conditions. So they wake Jesus up and they're like, we're about to die. Don't you care? How can you be sleeping through this? So Jesus gets up and he commands the wind and the waves to be still and it instantly happens. Then Jesus says to his disciples, wow, that was a close one. Thanks, thanks for waking me up. No, he doesn't say that. He actually turns and rebukes them for their lack of faith. Why does he do that? Because he wants to teach them a lesson. Jesus is saying, if I'm not worried, then you shouldn't be. If you believe I'm God then what are you afraid of? I'm with you. 
You see, there's two ways that we can live life. It's one way is without shalom, without faith. And the other is with shalom through faith. You see, without shalom, you're tossed and thrown and unsettled by every wave that comes at you. But with shalom, you're in the same storm, but you have this deep peace regardless of what's going on around you. Because you know who you are. And you know whose you are. And you know that there's nothing in this world that can ultimately defeat you because God's with you. You see, in the storm, Jesus had shalom. He had this state of calm without any anxiety or stress. He had this inner harmony and peace. But the disciples didn't have shalom. They were freaking out, right? They're afraid and they're anxious and they're desperate. And the storm had fully overcome them mentally. They couldn't see past the storm. They couldn't even see past the storm the fact that, that God was with them. That that had just consumed all of their mind. Have you ever been in a situation where you just can't stop thinking about it? Where it absolutely consumes your mind? You might have an issue in life where that's all you can think about and it's robbing you of, of your peace and you can't see through it to any joy or any peace or any goodness in your life. It just consumes your vision totally. And it actually robs us, right? Those moments, they rob us of life. It steals your joy, your happiness and your hope. So what are some of the things that cause a loss of peace in our lives? Well, there's lots of situations that could, right? Like work. We could have issues at work, like I was talking about at the beginning. It could be our finances. We could have issues with our finances. It could be our health. We're struggling health-wise. It could be relationship breakdown. It could be our own sin, that we're actually sinning and we feel this separation from God and we lose peace because of that. Because maybe it's our identity. We don't know who we are. We don't know the truth about how God sees us. Or we don't know our purpose. A lot of times we lose peace because we just don't know what we're meant to be doing. And all these things can rob you of peace and produce fear and anxiety, which can actually distract us from the truth. And to be honest, I think sin's the number one reason we lack peace in the world and in ourselves. If you look around the world, a lot of the time we lack peace because it's human on human, right? Doing things that we shouldn't be doing to one another. Doing things that the Bible clearly says that we shouldn't be doing. And, and even in our own lives, how often do we feel like we're separate from God because we're engaging in sin? And we don't want to come to God because we feel, feel shameful or we feel guilty. You know, sin can make us feel like we're separated from God and it can feel us like we're cut off from God. And we can lose our inner peace, that, that peace that we have in our heart. We lose that. And there's a reason for that. Because we've been created in the image of God, as the Bible says, and we're created to love and serve each other. And when we don't do that, when we sin and hurt people, we're not living in our created purpose. And this calls us to suffer and not feel at peace in our inner being. Isaiah 48 speaks into this. It says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There's no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. But you see, Jesus had a different experience in the storm, didn't he? He had such a salam, such an inner peace that he could sleep through the storm. Why? Because he has no sin. Because he knows who he is. He knows his purpose in life. He knows his mission. He knows he's loved. He has 100% faith in God. He has this perfect relationship with the Father. And there's nothing that Jesus is afraid of. Nothing. Because Jesus knows not even death can actually hold him. So Jesus had this, such this inner peace that external forces or situations, like even the possibility of death, had zero impact on him. Why? Because of his righteousness. And because of his faith. 
You know, it was in Fiji for my honeymoon, and we'd been there multiple times. We absolutely love Fiji. And I went out one day and went scuba diving. Has anyone been scuba diving? It's an amazing experience. We get on this boat, and we were on um, Castaway Island. We were staying there, and then I went out in this boat into the ocean, and they just kept going out in the ocean. They just kept going, and we are just out in the middle of nowhere. There was no land anywhere. I was semi-freaking out because I'm like, they're not going to drop us off here, are they? Like, this is sketchy. It was pretty, like, stormy. I'm like, this is, this, I'm just scared right now. And then we jump out of the boat, and there's actually this reef only a few feet under, right in the middle of the ocean, and there's this huge reef wall that goes down. And then we just go scuba diving down on this wall. But when you get down, when you get down deep in the water, it's just so tranquil. It's just so peaceful. It's like this, this other world. You wouldn't have a clue what's going on on the surface. It could be raging. There could be all sorts of stuff happening. But under the water, it's just so peaceful and calm. <clears throat> and both Jesus and the disciples, they're in the same ocean. But Jesus has this deep peace like he's under the waves. But the disciples, they're on the surface, right? They're getting infected by the winds and the waves. So where do you feel like you live? Because we're all in the same ocean. We all actually experience pain and suffering, highs and lows, love and hate, close and fractured relationships. Do you feel like you live under the waves or on top of the waves just getting battered? So to prove to the disciples they can trust God and trust him in all situations, even in the face of imminent death, Jesus commands peace, be still, and instantly it becomes calm. And then it says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love it how he says they were terrified. Not terrified of the wind and the waves anymore. Terrified about the revelation of who this man was in the boat with them. They're like, I actually think I know who you are right now. I think you're actually God in the flesh here. And we are terrified. Who is this guy? And if you're here for the first time or you're exploring Christianity, this is a really great question to start with. Who is Jesus? He's the one that we actually put our faith and trust in. He's the one you should be exploring. So if you want to ask this question, go to the Gospels. Have a look. But here's a great place where it actually shows us that he is God, that he has control over all creation. He is above all of it because even the wind and the waves obey him. At the beginning when I talked about Isaiah 9, it said, he is our wonderful counselor, mighty God. This is the coming of God in the flesh. And you might be in a storm right now. And you think God's asleep and he doesn't care about your situation. Let me tell you, he does care. He does know. And you might feel like you're in a storm that will actually destroy you, but it can't because you're with Jesus. He's there with you, just like he's there with the disciples in the boat. And the knowledge that Jesus is with us in every situation actually brings this shalom, even in the face of death. And I know this because when I worked in chaplaincy, I worked in an aged care facility in palliative care for two years. And for two years, I sat with people at their end of stage of life. We would have had over 100 people pass away in the time that I was there. And I can tell you, there is a huge difference between someone who has faith and someone who doesn't. I would sit with Christians that have faith in God, and they would just have this steadfastness, they'd have this peace about them, that even some of them would be like, I can't wait to see my Lord. I'm just so thankful for the life he's given me. I'm ready to meet him face to face. But then I sit with others with no faith, and there'd be this despair. There'd be this lack of hope. There'd just be this final cutoff. That they just lacked any peace or all peace. 
You know, I saw experienced people with shalom, Christians, but also saw people with, without shalom. And it simply came down to faith. Jesus asked his disciples, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? What Jesus is saying here is faith equals peace. He's saying if you actually believe in me, you believe that I'm with you, if you believe in my goodness, no matter what you face, you will actually have a peace. Faith comes out in a peace in our heart. He's actually saying fear and, and, and lack of peace is an, is, a, is an indicator of a lack of faith in who he is. So do we trust God? Do we trust God in everything? Like all the things that we face in life, do we trust him and his goodness and his faithfulness? Because that brings peace. Isaiah 26 says, You keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Here's a promise again. It says God keeps us in peace. He's the one who gives us the peace. When our minds are steadfast or convinced that God is faithful. It says that he's the rock. He's the foundation of our peace, the Lord himself. And you might think, we know Jesus turning to his disciples and asking, why are you so afraid? Why do you still have no faith? It was a fair question because... Jesus was right there with them, right? But Jesus asked us the same question today. Why are we so afraid? Do we not trust Jesus? Do we not trust the promises of God that we actually find in the Bible? Why do we fear so much in the world? Where is our shalom, our peace that we're promised in his word? You might say, well, Scott, it's not the same. We didn't have Jesus with us. Yes, that's true. We don't have Jesus with us like the disciples did in the boat. But church, we have Jesus in us. We have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God living in every single Christian. God is with you in every single moment of the day. He's there to love you, support you, encourage you, empower you, give you this peace. Do we know that peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, peace, the feeling of completeness, comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit, it's a byproduct of living with the Holy Spirit, living in righteousness and goodness and believing in the love of God. You know, we feel this deep sense of shalom when we're living in our created purpose, when we're loving others, when we're joyful when we're being kind to others, when we're being faithful, when we're exercising self-control from sin, we, we, we feel this peace. Have you ever felt you've lacked peace when you acted in love? No. And that should tell you something. It actually reveals a deep truth that our soul knows, that, that sin will rob us of peace, but acting in love and mercy and the fruit of the Spirit brings peace. So then the question is, how do we live in this space practically? How do we practically live in peace where there's so much sin and pain and suffering and worldly issues and storms that are trying to, to drown us, to try, trying to swamp us? Well, Paul gets super practical in Philippians 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Paul starts with this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Not in some of your situations. Not only when things are going good. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. All the time. And in case you didn't get it, he actually repeats it. He says, I say it again. Actually rejoice in all circumstances. Why? Because the Lord is near. The Lord is actually with us. If you're a Christian, he is living within us. And he says, don't be anxious about the hard things. No, he doesn't say that. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. That, that's true faith, right? Rising up. And you might say, well, Paul has no idea what I'm going through. Paul went through so much suffering and pain. For this to come from Paul is super powerful. This guy was scourged multiple times. He was beaten. He was stoned so badly they thought he was dead, so they dragged him, his body out of the city and just dumped him. He was shipwrecked twice. He saw a bunch of his friends just get murdered for their faith. And this guy says, hey, I've been through all that. You can strip me of absolutely everything. and It doesn't matter. I had the one thing that matters for eternity, and that's Jesus. That's salvation. And he brings it in super practically. He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Again, in how many situations? Every situation. How often do I just, as a guy, we're very good at just trying to fix stuff, right? We just think we can do everything. And so whenever we have a problem, it's like, I can sort this out. And then usually that goes bad because I'm pretty hopeless, right? And then I turn to God. Paul says in everything. The first thing I should be doing is coming to God and going, God, here are my issues. Here's the things I'm struggling with. And he says, bring them to him in prayer. You know how powerful prayer is? Prayer gives us that supernatural peace that we're actually promised when we talk with God. Charles Spurgeon says, Prayer girds human weakness with divine strength, turns human folly into heavenly wisdom, and gives troubled mortals the peace of God. We know not what prayer can do. Prayer is like running to Jesus and turning to Jesus in the boat and saying, Lord, look at my situation. And they're looking deep into his eyes and he just says, Peace be still. It's okay, I'm here. I'm with you. And no matter how this turns out, I'll be by your side to carry you through it. And I can testify to this. The amount of times that I've been struggling with stuff and then I finally bring it to God in prayer and God just puts it in its proper perspective because he is so much higher than anything I could ever struggle with. He is over all things. And I bring them to God and he he just gives me this supernatural peace. And it's promised here in Scripture. You see, to know God, the God of the universe loves me, is with me, is enough. and gives me that shalom that I can't express. And here he promises a peace that transcends understanding, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the funny thing. I'm trying to explain to you today something that's unexplainable. When I wrote this message, I knew it was impossible to fully explain the peace, the shalom that Christians experience. It's like trying to explain the unexplainable, right? It's like trying to explain the exhilaration of a roller coaster or the witnessing of a birth of a child or the beauty of a sunset to someone. There are just not words to express the deep connection and emotions and feelings we have, right? We just can't put them into any words. You know, some things have to be experienced to be fully understood, right? I can tell you about the exhilaration of a roller coaster, but you've got to get on that thing, right? You've got to ride it. 
And when you write it, you're like, yeah, man, that was crazy. I didn't think it was going to be that crazy. You didn't explain it too well. I'm like, yeah, because we can't, right? Some things have to be experienced, and that is what God offers us. He offers us the opportunity to experience peace that passes all understanding only in and through Jesus. And Jesus himself makes a promise to the disciples in the Gospel of John that we can bank on too. John 14, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus starts with, Peace I leave with you. He did leave peace with us. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in each and every Christian. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is, is peace. He left peace with us. But then he says something crazy. He says, my peace I give to you. You know that peace I had in the boat where I was sleeping like a baby when you guys thought you were going to die? That kind of peace, I give that to you. Come on. Who wants some of that peace? I need that peace, right? I need that peace of Jesus. And he promises it to them. But he says, I don't give you as the world gives. He says, the world can't give you this kind of peace. You won't find true peace in money, in wealth, security, fame, influence, comfort. In fact, all these things will cause you to lose peace because you'll be trying to hold on to them. You'll be trying to grab and grapple and fight others for it. You can't find the peace that you're looking for. You can only find it in Jesus. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's saying, have faith. Don't be worried. Don't be afraid. You see, Jesus' peace, it casts out all fear in all situations because ultimately not even death can destroy us. Amen? And Jesus gives that to us as a gift. Matthew Henry said, When Christ died, he left a will, in which he gave his soul to his father, his body to Joseph of Arimathea, his clothes to the soldiers, and his mother to John, but to his disciples, who had left all to follow him. He left not silver or gold, but something far better, his peace. You see, that's what we need. We live in a world, and the reality is we live in a world full of constant trouble, not only in our personal lives, but in the world around us. Just turn on the news, right? Turn on the TV, go on to social media. You don't have to look far to find where we're just in death and destruction and, and anxiety and fear and all those things that come in. But know this, Jesus knew we would face those things. In John 16, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I love these words of Jesus. He goes, hey, I've told you things so that in me you actually have peace. You will have trouble in the world. Jesus is honest. We will face trials. We will face tribulation. We will face pain and suffering. We will face trouble in the world. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world, that Jesus has defeated the world, that we one day will be fully redeemed and restored and all that stuff will be dealt with. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears when we live in God's kingdom together in a fully restored kingdom. And you know what? Peace comes from believing this statement. This is why it's really important that we need to know our word, church. We need to know what the Bible says about these things. Because we can grab onto those promises and it produces faith. Yes, we will go through troubles in life in many forms and Jesus doesn't deny that. So I don't want to reduce today what you're going through in life right now. I don't want you to feel like I'm dismissing your pain, your suffering. And you might be going through some horrible stuff right now that's real hard and painful and I don't know how hard it is for you. And I don't want to diminish that at all. 
understand that we go through things and there are things you're going through that I might not be able to handle myself. But here's the truth. Jesus is there with us. And here's the truth. That's what the church is for, to love and support each other. So if you need to talk to someone, if you need pastoral help, just let us know. We would love to help you out. But Jesus has overcome the world. We have God with us. And we're given this inner supernatural power and peace to endure. How? Because God is with you. Jesus says to you right now, there's nothing in this world that can rob you of my love. Nothing. I'll be with you in all things. I'll comfort you. I'll strengthen you. I'll redeem you. I'll save you. I'll receive you into my everlasting kingdom. I will give you my peace. Psalm 29 says, The Lord gives strength to his people, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord gives strength to his people, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. So how do we get this peace? Well, it's through the cross. It's through faith. Thomas Merton says, we are not at peace with others because we're not at peace with ourselves. We're not at peace with ourselves because we're not at peace with God. You know, we look out into the world and all these issues that we're facing is because people are not at peace with God. And they're wrestling with one another, hurting one another. They don't know God's laws and his ways. We're not at peace with others because we're not at peace with God. You know, only God's people get his shalom, get his peace. Sharon, do you want to come up? Thank you. So I want to ask you a question. Are you at peace with God through faith with Jesus? Because Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is why Jesus came the advent of Christ, where he came in the flesh, that he would put on human flesh, that he would go to the cross, that he'd take your sin, he'd take my sin on that cross, and he'd deal with it. The thing that was separating us from God, the thing that was causing a lack of peace in our life, Jesus said, I'm going to deal with that for you. I'm going to take upon your sin, I'm going to bury in the grave, and I'm going to show you that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, because I'm going to rise again in victory over sin and death. And all who repent, and put their faith and trust in Jesus, receive forgiveness of sins. It says we're justified through faith. Justified means Jesus has paid the debt. He's paid the debt. C.S. Lewis says, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. You know, I often look for peace in all the wrong places. But it's just not there apart from peace with God. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire, right? If you want to get wet, you need to dive into the water. So if you want peace, if you want eternal life, you must get close to or immerse yourself into the thing that has it. And that's God. It's Jesus. And you can have peace with God today. If you're here and you've never made that commitment, you never repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus you didn't know that that he wants to make peace with you and all you need to do is put your faith in him God wants to make peace with you today it's available for you today you know my shalom my peace that I experience comes from the knowledge that I'm at peace with God because I know that my sin's been dealt with and I now have full access and full relationship with God and therefore it releases me to live in my created purpose to love others and I trust I believe that no matter what happens to me in this life, God loves me and is with me in the boat in all the storms that I'm going to face. 
And I know this because of Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, the Bible says, all the things I face in life, all the struggles, all the pain, all the suffering, God's work in this beautiful tapestry, how I don't know, but I trust him. That in the end, he's working all that for good for those who he loves, which is me, which is you if we've accepted Christ. I believe it. I trust it. I have this deep soul shalom, but it comes from faith in this verse and faith in God because God is faithful and God is in control. You see, the Bible is full of God's promises to provide for us spiritually, materially, to never forsake us, to give us peace in difficult times and circumstances, and to cause all of these circumstances to work together for good and finally bring us safely home to glory. And you know what the great thing is? None of these promises, none of them are dependent on my performance. They're all dependent on the grace of God. God is faithful. Church, what if we were a people so full of the shalom of God, so full of the peace of Jesus that we were the non-anxious, non-fearful person in every situation we face? You know what? Other people would see it and they'd want it. And the beauty is we can give it to them in the person and the work of Jesus if they put their faith in him. And this is what we celebrate at Advent, the birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Prince of Peace. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I know that there are many people here, including myself at times where I feel like I lack peace. Where I'm robbed of peace and happiness and hope that you bring, God. So Holy Spirit, would you come in this moment? Would your peace just descend on this place? Would you just descend in the hearts and minds of all those sitting here? And I just encourage you in this moment of prayer, just pray. Send those requests to God and let the peace of God which transcends understanding fall upon you in this moment. And as we're in this moment of prayer, you might be here and you've not made peace with God. I want to tell you there's this opportunity today for you to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. God wants to redeem you, restore you, make peace with you through his son. So that's you. If you want to make peace with God, you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, just ask if you just raise your hand now. I'd just love to pray for you. You can do that now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, you see those hands and you see those people in their heart that want to, want to put their faith and trust in you. Lord, I ask that you bless them with your forgiveness. In this moment, there's no fancy words. Just ask God for forgiveness. Thank him for the death of his son. Thank him that you believe that, that he loves you and wants to restore you. Ask him for forgiveness. Let's ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. For those that have put their faith in you, I pray you fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they would be a new creation from this day forward. They'd be born again. They would sense that peace in their heart that you have dealt with their sin. And they can live a new life in you. 
We pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Would you like to stand? Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or connect with us through our Instagram or Facebook page. For more information about Christmas at New Life, head to church.nu forward slash Christmas. We pray you have a great week and a very Merry Christmas. Be blessed.